Chapter 56 of The Deluge, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Eaton. The Deluge, Volume 2 by Henry Shinkovitz. Translated by Jeremiah Curtin. Chapter 56. The Horned Daring Soul in Truth was unwilling to go out of its bodily enclosure and did not go out. In a month after his return to Lyabich, Pan Andrei's wounds began to heal, but still earlier he regained consciousness, and looking around the room he saw at once where he was. Then he called the faithful Soroka. Soroka, he said, the mercy of God is upon me. I feel that I shall not die. According to order, answered the old soldier, brushing away a tear with his fist. And Kamita continued as if to himself, The penance is over. I see that clearly. The mercy of God is upon me. Then he was silent for a moment, only his lips were moving in prayer. Soroka, said he again after a time, at the service of your grace, who are in Vodokti, the lady in the sword-bearer of Rosenai. Praised be the name of the Lord, did any one come here to inquire about me? They sent from Vodokti until we told them that you would be well. And did they stop then? Then they stopped. They know nothing yet, but they shall know from me, said Kamita. Did you tell no one that I fought as Babanish? There was no order, answered the soldier. And the Lordermen, with Pan Volodyovsky, had not come home yet. Not yet, but they may come any day. With this, the conversation of the first day was at an end. Two weeks later, Kamita had risen and was walking on crutches. The following week, he insisted on going to church. We will go to Upita, said he to Soroka, for it is needful to begin with God. And after Mass, we will go to Vodokti. Soroka did not dare to oppose. Therefore, he merely ordered straw to be placed in the wagon. Pan Andrei arrayed himself in holiday costume, and they drove away. They arrived at an hour when there were few people yet in the church. Pan Andrei, leaning on Soroka's arm, went to the high altar itself, and knelt in the collator's seat. His face was very thin, emaciated, and besides he wore a long beard, which had grown during the war and his sickness. Whoever looked at him thought that he was some passing personage who had come in to Mass, for there was movement everywhere. The country was full of passing nobles who were going from the field to their own estates. The church filled slowly with people and with neighbouring nobles. Then owners of inherited land from a distance began to arrive, for in many places churches had been burned and it was necessary to come to Mass as far as Upita. Kamita sunk in prayer, saw no one. He was roused first from his pious meditation by the squeaking of footstools under the tread of persons entering the pew. Then he raised his head and looked, and saw right there above him the sweet sad face of Alenka. She also saw him, and recognised him that moment, but she drew back suddenly as if frightened. First a flush, and then a deathly pallor came out on her face. But with the greatest exercise of will, she overcame her emotion and knelt there near him. 
the third place was occupied by the sword-bearer. And Kamita and she bowed their heads and rested their faces on their hands. They knelt there in silence side by side, and their hearts beat so that they both heard them perfectly. At last Pan Andrei spoke. May Jesus Christ be praised. For the ages of ages, answered Olenka in an undertone, and they said no more. Now the priest came out to preach. Kamita listened to him, but in spite of his efforts, he could not distinguish the words. He could not understand the preacher. Here she is, the desired one, for whom he had yearned during years, who had not left his mind nor his heart. She was here now at his side. He felt her near, and he dared not turn his eyes to her, for he was in the church. But closing his lids, he caught her breathing with his ear. Olenka, Olenka is near me, said he to himself. See, God has commanded us to meet in the church after absence. Then his thoughts and his heart repeated without ceasing, Olenka, Olenka, Olenka. And at moments a weeping joy caught him by the throat, and again he was carried away by such an enthusiasm of thankful prayer that he lost consciousness of what was happening to him. She knelt continually, with her face hidden in her hands. The priest had finished the sermon and descended from the pulpit. All at once a clatter of arms was heard in front of the church, and a tramp of horses' hoofs. Someone cried before the threshold of the church, Lauder returning, and suddenly in the sanctuary itself were heard murmurs, then a bustle, then a still louder calling, Lauder, Lauder. The crowd began to sway. All heads were turned at once toward the door. With that there was a throng in the door, and a body of armed men appeared in the church. At the head of them marched, with a clatter of spurs, Volodyovsky and Zagloba. The crowd opened before them. They passed through the whole church, knelt before the altar, prayed a short time, and then entered the vestry. The Lord of Men halted halfway, not greeting anyone, out of respect for the place. Ah, what a sight! Grim faces, swarthy with winds, grown thin from toils of war, cut with sabres of Swedes, Germans, Hungarians and Wallachians. The whole history of the war and the glory of God-fearing louder was written on them with swords. There were the gloomy Butrims, the Stachians, the Domashevishis, the Gostiavishis, a few of all, but hardly one-fourth returned of those who on a time had left Lorda. Many women are seeking in vain for their husbands. Many old men are searching in vain for their sons. Therefore the weeping increases. For those two who find their own are weeping from joy. The whole church is filled with sobbing. From time to time someone cries out a beloved name and is silent. And they stand in glory, leaning on their sabres. But over their deep scars, tears too are falling on their moustaches. Now a bell rung at the door of the vestry, quieted the weeping and the murmur. All knelt, the priest came to finish mass, and after him, Volodyovsky and Zagloba. But the priest was so moved that when he turned to the people, saying Dominus Vobiscum, his voice trembled. When he came to the gospel, and all the sabres were drawn at once from the scabbards, as a sign that Lorda was ever ready to defend the faith, 
and in the church it was bright from steel. The priest had barely strength to finish the gospel. Then amid universal emotion, the concluding prayer was sung and mass was ended. But the priest, when he had placed the sacrament in the tabernacle, turned after the last gospel to the people, in sign that he wished to say something. There was silence, therefore, and the priest, with cordial words, greeted first the returning soldiers. Then he gave notice that he would read a letter from the king, brought by the colonel of the Lord Squadron. The silence grew deeper, and after a while, the voice from the altar was heard through the whole church. We, Jan Casimir, King of Poland, Grand Duke of Lithuania, Matsovia, Prussia, etc., 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 in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Since wicked people must receive punishment in this temporal life for their crimes against king and country, before they stand in presence of the heavenly tribunal, it is equally just that virtue receives a reward, which should add the lustre of glory to virtue itself, and give posterity the desire to follow its examples. Therefore, we make it known to the whole order of knighthood, namely to men of arms and civilians having office, together with all the inhabitants of the Grand Principality of Lithuania and our Starostaship of Jamud, that whatever accusations have rested on Pan Andrei Kamita, the banneret of Orsha, who is greatly beloved by us, are to vanish from the memory of men, in view of the following services and merit, and are to detract in no wise from the honour and glory of the said banneret of Orsha. Here the priest ceased to read, and looked down the bench on which Pan Andrei was sitting. Kamita rose for a moment, and sitting down again, rested his haggard head on the railing and closed his lids, as if in a faint. But all eyes were turned to him, all lips began to whisper, Pan, Kamita, Kamita, there, near the Bilaviches. The priest beckoned and began to read on, amid deep silence, which Banneret of Orsha, though in the beginning of this unfortunate Swedish invasion, he declared himself on the side of Prince Voivoda. Did it not from any selfishness, but from the purest goodwill to the country, brought to this error by Prince Janos Radzivil, who persuaded him that no road of safety remained to the Commonwealth, save that which the prince took himself. But when he visited Prince Bogoslav, who, thinking him a traitor, discovered to him clearly all the hostile intrigues against the country, the said banneret of Orsha not only did not promise to raise his hand against our person, but with armed force carried away Prince Bogoslav himself so as to avenge us and the suffering country. O oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner, cried the voice of a woman right there, near Pan Andrei, and in the church there broke out anew a murmur of amazement. The priest read on. He was shot by Bogoslav, but had barely recovered when he went to Chenstohova, and there defended with his own breast that most sacred retreat, giving an example of endurance and valour to all. There, in danger of his life and health, he blew up with powder the greatest siege gun, Seized after the daring deed, he was condemned to death by cruel enemies and tortured with living fire. 
With this, the weeping of women was heard here and there through the church. Alenka was trembling, as in the paroxysm of fever. But rescued by the power of the Queen of the Angels from those terrible straits, he came to us in Silesia, and on our return to this dear country, when the treacherous enemy prepared an ambush for us, the said banneret of Orsha rushed himself, with his three attendants, on the whole power of the enemy to save our person. There, cut down and thrust through with rapiers, swimming in his own blood, he was borne from the field as if lifeless. Alenka placed both her hands on her temples, and raising her head, began to catch the air into her parted lips. From her bosom came out the groan, Oh God, oh God, oh God, and again the voice of the priest sounded, also more and more moved, and when with our endeavours he returned to health, he did not rest, but continued the war, standing forth with immeasurable praise in every necessity, held up as a model to knighthood by the hetmans of both people, till the fortunate capture of Warsaw, after which he was sent to Prussia, under the assumed name of Babanish. When that name was heard in the church, the noise of the people changed, as it were, into the roar of a river. Then he's Babanish, then he's that crusher of the Swedes, the saviour of Volmontovici, the victor in so many battles. That is Kamita. The murmur increased still more. Throngs began to push towards the altar to see him more closely. God bless him, God bless him, said hundreds of voices. The priest returned to the seat and blessed Pan Andrei, who, leaning continually against the railing, was more like a dead than a living man, for the soul had gone out of him with happiness and had risen toward the sky. The priest read on. He visited the enemy's country with fire and sword, was the main cause of the victory at Prostaki. With his own hand he overthrew and captured Prince Bogoslav, called late to our Stara starship of Jamud. What immense service he rendered there, how many towns and villages he saved from the hands of the enemy must be known to the inhabitants of that starostaship better than to others. It is known, it is known, it is known, was thundered through the whole church. Silence, said the priest, raising the king's letter. Therefore we, considering all his services to us and the country, so many that a son could not have done more for his father and his mother, have determined to publish them in this our letter so that so great a cavalier, so great a defender of the faith of king and commonwealth, should no longer be pursued by the ill-will of men, but go clothed with the praise and universal love proper to the virtuous. Before then the next diet, confirming these our wishes, shall remove from him every stain, and before we shall reward him with the starostarship of Upita, which is vacant, we have earnestly of the inhabitants dear to us, of our starostarship of Jamud, to retain in their hearts and thoughts these our words, which justice itself, the foundation of states, has commanded us to put into their memory. Here the priest concluded, and turning to the altar began to pray, but Pan Andrei felt on a sudden that a soft hand was seizing his hand. He looked. It was Alenka, and before he had time to come to himself, to withdraw his hand, she had raised it and pressed it to her lips in presence of all, before the altar and the people. Alenka, cried the astonished Kamita, 
but she had arisen, and covering her face with a veil, said to old Bilavish, Uncle, let us go, let us go from here quickly. And they went out through the door of the vestry. Pan Andrei tried to rise to follow her, but he could not. His strength left him entirely. But a quarter of an hour later, he was in front of the church, supported on one side by Pan Volodyovsky and the other by Zagloba. The throng of people, small nobles and common men, crowded around. Women, some barely able to tear away from the breast of a husband returned from the war, led by curiosity special to the sex, ran to look at Kamita, once terrible, now the saviour of Lorda, and the coming Starosta. The throng became greater every instant, till the Lorda men had at last to surround him and protect him from the crush. Pan Andrei, cried Zagloba, see, we have brought you a present. You did not expect such a one. Now, to Vodokti, to Vodokti, to the betrothal and the wedding. Further words of Zagloba were lost in the thundering shout, raised at once by the Lord of Men, under the leadership of Yutzvar Footless. Long life to Pan Kamita. Long life, repeated the crowd. Long life to our Starosta of Upita. Long life. All to Vodokti, roared Zagloba again. To Vodokti, to Vodokti, shouted a thousand throats. As best men to Vodokti, with Pan Kamita, with our saviour, to the lady, to Vodokti. And an immense movement began. Louder mounted its horses. Every man living rushed to wagons, carts, ponies. People on foot began to run across field and forest. The shout to Vodokti rang through the whole place. The roads were thronged with many coloured crowds. Kamita rode in his little wagon between Volodyovsky and Zagloba, and time after time he embraced one or the other of them. He was not able to speak yet, he was too much excited, but they pushed on as if Tartars were attacking Upita. All the wagons and carts rushed in like manner around them. They were well outside the place when Pan Michael suddenly bent to Kamita's ear. Yendrek, asked he, but do you not know where the other is? In Vodokti. Then, whether it was the wind or excitement that began to move the moustaches of Pan Michael is unknown. It is enough that during the whole way they did not cease to thrust forward like two awls or like the feelers of a maybug. Zagloba was singing with delight in such a terrible bass voice that he frightened the horses. There were two of us, Kasienko, two in this world. But methinks somehow that three are now riding. Anusia was not at church that Sunday, for she had in her turn to stay with the weekly Panna Kulviets, with whom she and Olenka remained on alternate days. The whole morning she had been occupied with watching and taking care of the sick woman, so that it was late when she could go to her prayers. Barely had she said the last Amen, when there was a thundering before the gate, and Olenka rushed into the room like a storm. Jesus Mary, what has happened? screamed Anusha, looking at her. Anusha, you do not know who Pan Babanish is. He is Pan Kamita. Anusha sprang to her feet. Who told you? The king's letter was read. Pan Volodyovsky brought it. The Lord of Men. 
as Pan Volodyovsky returned, screamed Anusha, and she threw herself into Olenka's arms. Olenka took this outburst of feeling as a proof of Anusha's love for her, for she had become feverish, was almost unconscious. On her face were fiery spots, and her breast rose and fell as if from great pain. Then Olenka began to tell without order and in a broken voice everything which she had heard in the church, running at the same time through the room as if demented, repeating every moment, I am not worthy of him, reproaching herself terribly, saying that she had done him more injustice than all others, that she had not even been willing to pray for him, when he was swimming in his own blood in defence of the Holy Lady, the country and the king. In vain did Anusha, while running after her through the room, endeavour to comfort her. She repeated continually one thing, that she was not worthy of him, that she would not dare to look in his eyes. Then again she would begin to speak of the deeds of Babanish, of the seizure of Bogoslav, of his revenge, of saving the king of Protsky, Volmontovici and Chenstohova, and at last of her own faults, of her stubbornness, for which she must do penance in the cloister. Further reproaches were interrupted by Pan Tamash, who, falling into the room like a bomb, cried, In God's name, all Upita is rolling after us. They are already in the village, and Babanish is surely with them. Indeed, a distant shout at that moment announced the approach of the crowds. The sword-bearer, seizing Alenka, conducted her to the porch. Anusha rushed after them. At that moment the throng of men and horses looked black in the distance, and as far as the eye could reach, the whole road was packed with them. At last they reached the yard. Those on foot were storming over ditches and fences. The wagons rolled in through the gates, and all were shouting and throwing up their caps. At last appeared the crowd of armed lauder men, and the wagon in which sat three persons, Kamita, Volodyovsky and Zagloba. The wagon stopped at some distance, for so many people had crowded up before the entrance that it was impossible to approach. Zagloba and Volodyovsky sprang out first, and helping Kamita to descend, took him at once by the arms. Give room, cried Zagloba. Give room, repeated the Lord Amen. The people pushed back at once, so that in the middle of the crowd there was an open road along which the two knights led Kamita to the porch. He was very pale, but walked with head erect, at once confused and happy. Alenka leaned against the doorpost and dropped her arms without control at her sides. But when he was near, she looked into the face of the emaciated man, who, after such a time of separation, approached like Lazarus, without a drop of blood in his face. Then, sobbing, rent her breast again. He, from weeping for happiness and from confusion, did not know himself what to say. What, Alenka, what? She dropped suddenly to his knees. Yendrek, cried she, I am not worthy to kiss thy wounds. At that moment, strength came back to the knight. He seized her from the ground like a feather and pressed her to his bosom. One immense shout, from which the walls of the house trembled, and the last of the leaves fell from the trees, dinned every ear. The lord and men began to fire from pistols. Caps flew into the air. 
Around nothing was to be seen, but faces carried away by joy, gleaming eyes and open mouths shouting. Vivat Kimita, vivat Panabilovich, vivat the young couple. Vivat two couples, roared Zagloba, but his voice was lost in the general storm. Vodokty was turned, as it were, into a camp. All day they were slaughtering oxen and sheep at command of the sword-bearer and digging out of the ground barrels of mead and beer. In the evening all sat down to a feast. The oldest and most noted in the rooms, the younger in the servants' hall. The simple people rejoiced equally at fires in the yard. At the chief table the cup went round in honour of two happy pairs. But when good feeling had reached the highest degree, Sir Globa raised the following toast. To thee I return, worthy Pan Andre, and to thee, old friend, Pan Michael. It was not enough to expose your breasts, to shed blood, to cut down the enemy. Your work is not finished, for since a multitude of people have fallen in time of this terrible war, you must now give new inhabitants, new defenders to this commonwealth. For this I think you will not lack either in manhood or goodwill. Worthy gentlemen, to the honour of those coming generations, may God bless them and permit them to guard this legacy which we leave them, restored by our toil, by our sweat, by our blood. When grievous times come, let them remember us and never despair, considering that there are no straits out of which it is impossible to rise with united forces and the help of God. Pan Andre, not long after his marriage, served in a new war which broke out on the eastern side of the Commonwealth. But the thundering victory of Charnietsky and Sapayahar over Havansky and Dolgoruki and the hetmans of the kingdom over Sheremetyev soon brought it to an end. Then Kamita returned covered with fresh glory, and settled down permanently in Vodokty. After him, his cousin Jacob became banneret of Orsha. Jacob, who afterward belonged to the unfortunate confederation of the army, but Pan Andre, standing soul and heart with the king, rewarded with the starship of Upita, lived long in exemplary harmony and love with Lauda, Surrounded by universal respect, his ill-wishers, for who has them not, said it is true that he listened overmuch to his wife in everything. He was not ashamed of that, however, but acknowledged himself that in every important affair he sought her advice. End of chapter 56 End of the Deluge, volume 2 By Henrik Sienkiewicz Translated by Jeremiah Curtin.